So let's go to the next sonata, which starts as if it was continuing the previous sonata. Uh, let me finish Opus 109. Touchingly simple. Um, Opus 110 has no dedication. Opus 109 was dedicated to Maximiliane Brentano, who was the daughter of Beethoven's friends Franz and Antonia Brentano, and we know today with almost certainty that Antonia Brentano was the so called immortal beloved. So this is this family who was very, very close to Beethoven. And there had been some speculation that Beethoven wanted to dedicate this A-flat major sonata to Antonia Brentana, the immortal beloved. However, at the end, we don't have this dedication. And later, maybe he felt guilty and he dedicated the Diabelli variations to her. So she got a Wonderful present, nevertheless. Um, the opening is still in 3-4 in meter, like the last movement of 109. And moderato, espressivo e cantabile, con, amab con amabilità, uh, very lovingly. That's the un undertitle. Again, this is, this is like string quartet writing, very clear, four, four parts. And after this, we have this trill on the fermata. And this resolves into a beautiful love song. Again, melody with accompaniment. Very interesting in this very polyphonic surrounding, like in Opus 109 also, that's occasionally we have these islands which are just the opposite, very simple and, and very, very melodic and not really contrapuntual.
these demi-semi quavers are not decorative but motivic. And Beethoven very carefully writes a little dot on every fourth of them, which to me doesn't mean staccato, not short, but a tiny little melodic emphasis on those notes. You'll hear the notes with the dot. the second subject and in this movement indeed we have the three distinct themes unlike in the opening movement of Opus 109 um, the character of this music is lyrical loving tender harmonious uh, there are no big dramatic conflicts here it's very interesting to see how it progresses. Uh, however, at the end of the exposition, these three descending steps, they do suggest darker feelings of the future. And indeed, in this very short development section, the music is darker, more dangerous, and more polyphonic. first two bars of the main theme with this main rhythm tam pam pam pa pam pam you will hear this seven times and underneath we have a semiquaver counterpoint written for two voices first the tenor plays it and then the bass Whatever the tenor says, it has no swell in it, and the bass has a little swell, a crescendo, decrescendo, every time it speaks. So, after the recapitulation, which is quite uh, expected, as, as it would be expected, uh, there is a very poetic coda. <laughs>
rather strange final three bars. And we will see why they are strange, because if you listen to the middle voice, yes, again, the, these intervals, we, we also can hear them in the beginning here. And later we will have the fugue. So, if the descending third was the main interval of Opus 109, the ascending fourth could be called the main interval of, of this sonata. Um, again, without any interruption, this is true to all the final sonatas, there is no break between movements. It would be impossible to ask a pianist to play now the second movement of Opus 110. One could, but it would make no sense, because it's very important what, what's preceding it. Allegro molto, it's a, it's a scherzo movement, and it represents the only humorous touch, slightly humorous touch in the final Beethoven sonatas. It's not obvious if you listen to it, but to the contemporary listener, it was quite clear that Beethoven was using two contemporary German folk songs here. Uh, Martin Cooper was it, I suppose, who pointed this out relatively recently, that this was the case. Uh, the first song is this one. Uh, and the German text has Unser Katz hat Kätzchen gehabt, <laughs> which is Our cat had had kittens. Uh, the second song says, Ich bin lüderlich, du bist lüderlich, wir sind alle lüderlich. Uh, my friend Misha Donat uh, translated this, I am down and out. I don't know if, if that, well, if you are laughing, then it's good. Uh, so, anyway, in such a such a spiritual and existentially philosophical sonata. It's very interesting to have two elements like that. Let me just play a little more. Lamenting question, why are we all luderlich? <laughs> 
because and then comes the trio section which is very strange because it has one part is again this descending force and the other is syncopation and One person rolling down the stairs and the other one climbing up, and they meet halfway through. Uh, so then, repetition of the scherzo, and I think it's important that you know that there are these folk song elements because that's why I cannot see this movement as as a tragic movement, not like this one was. <laughs> has a certain uh, comic undertone. But after this, the comedy is over, and there is a completely new world. ma non troppo slowly but not too much so and like in the previous sonata again the, the final movement is the most important movement it, the, the proportions are such that the first two movements are counterbalanced by the final movement and the form and the structure of this last movement is extraordinary. It had given Beethoven a lot of trouble. We can see it in the manuscript, in the sketches. I don't know many Beethoven manuscripts that, that are so crowded by corrections and he really was breaking his head on this. And it starts Adagio ma non troppo, again, una corda, with just one string. And we have to get from finishing the scherzo in F major, and which serves as the dominant of B flat minor. But with B flat minor we are very far away from the tonality of this sonata. So he has to modulate somehow back to, to the tonic. How does he do this? Already the bass moves from B-flat to C-flat. Again, the bass from G-flat moves from G-natural. And already we are in A-flat minor. 
cantamos this arpeggio playing what Beethoven wrote. It's all in one pedal. It's not my craziness. It's his. And uh, remember the, the Tempest Sonata? where he discovered these fantastic sonorities of a recitativo all swimming in one wash of sound without changing the pedal. This is one of his great inventions. So here, let me go back to Opus 110. in the Ninth Symphony, O Freunde, nicht diese Töne, not these tones. So we are looking for other tones, yes. motive. It's uh, on the A natural, he's repeating these notes and usually in classical music if you have a, a tie over a note then the second time you don't play it. It's mute. But Beethoven writes as, as separate fingering for the repeated notes. He always writes fourth finger, third finger, fourth finger, third finger, and that indicates that he indeed he wanted the second note to be heard, but softer than the first time. This is a technique that we know from the clavier school of Carl Philipp Emanuel Bach, and this is what clavichordists do. They, they call it the Bebung. And over this multiple repetition of the A natural, Beethoven changed from una corda to due corde e tre corde. And again, on the Beethoven fortepiano, this was clearly audible. Then there is an increase of sound, and like you are opening a window. Closed window and gradually opened window, and then close it again. And then... Recitativo. Mm. 
is the famous klagende gesang or lamenting song. As we said earlier, a quotation from Bach's St. John Passion. And this is the most moving part of the, of the piece. It's, it's one of the most moving uh, confessions of Beethoven, really. It's something confessional about this music. We know that he had been very ill prior to this sonata, and to me, this lament is, is a depiction of, of the illness. And es ist vollbracht, it is consummated. At the end of this klagende Gesang, you could say the words, es ist vollbracht. This is really a tragedy because we, we heard this wonderful fugue out of the tragedy of the lament, like a phoenix emerging from the ashes, and it is a very clear Bachian fugue in strict counterpoint with the only liberties taken that sometimes the bass is doubled, like if, if an organist would play it with his pedal. Yes, that's the only liberty. 
un unlike the closing fugue of the Hammerklaver Sonata, which is a fugue with lots of liberties. And to me, the fugue represents the other, the opposite pole of, of the illness. If, if the arioso was the illness, this is the healing process. This is, a, you know, fighting with the illness and trying to defeat it. But as we come to the close of this fugue, it's obvious that he is not well enough to finish it. There is no strength. collapses on this dominant seventh chord. It's, it's, it's really a, it's a tragedy. And what does he do after that? Again, a semitone down, so again, it's, uh, it represents defeat. And comes back to the Klagende Gesang, a semitone lower, and he writes ermattet klagend. Ermattet is something like exhausted. Perdente uh, le forze, he writes in Italian, when you have lost your strengths. So again, he, we are back to the world of a suffering, ill man. Mm -hmm. And the melody is not a continuous legato anymore, but it's, it's broken by rests and silences, and it's much more irregular. It is like like a person who is in sobs, cannot really speak anymore. We just hear it in offbeat heartbeats. This should be the last word, but instead of that,
The clock strikes ten. Whether it's in his room or a church bell, we do not know. There could be a literary hidden program to this sonata. We can speculate, but there is no knowledge to that. Um, however, these ten strikes of the clock, they represent the threshold between the illness and the healing. And they are muffled chords because the, the piano is again playing una corda. It's not the full keyboard, but it's only one string. And gives us the inversion of the fugue. We remember the fugue. Now it's everything turned around, upside down, but in G major. And very, very quiet, very far away, very faint. three or four times the theme in inversion. And Beethoven writes above this section, the inversion of the fugue, poi a poi da nuovo vivente, gradually coming back to life. And this is really the section that gave him the most trouble. How does he come back from G major into A flat major, and also how does he close the circle? So after the four themes, we hear the diminution of the main theme in the bass. But three times faster than the original version. And imitated in the soprano. Simultaneously we hear also an augmentation of the theme, which will be twice slower than the original version. Let me just play everything together if I can. Now the bass takes over the augmentation and the upper voices have the diminution. At this point Beethoven already Poi a poi da nuovo vivente, coming back to life, 
takes away the una corda and gradually uses two strings and then all the three strings. tricky part of the movement because Beethoven writes smaller note values but at the same time he asks etwas langsamer, so a little bit slower. Uh, unfortunately a lot of pianists misunderstand this and they see the small note values and start to play much faster than before, which makes absolutely no sense at all. There had been a very interesting debate on this subject between Alfred Brendel and Charles Rosen on the pages of the New York Review of Books, which I'm afraid that Charles Rosen won with a knockout. <laughs> <laughs> because, exactly, uh, let me just play the whole section. I mean, when, when it starts... Uh, This is a further diminution, but Beethoven actually leaves out one step of the theme, which was... But he only uses... It's a shortened version of it. And then he starts to write accelerando, a little bit faster, 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 and at the end of that section, the, the bass comes in with the original theme in the original tempo. And that has to be reached gradually. It cannot be that one made an accelerando and went over the limit and then has to put the brakes on again. So let me just play the whole inversion. I'm sorry, this is very complicated. is the final return. So I think you could feel there is a gradual progression of, of this coming back to life. And here Beethoven throws away all the rules of counterpoint and fugue and we have a triumphant chorale with semiquaver counterpoint. Again, we can think forward to the 
Vista solemnis dona nobis pacem. Also music in 6-8 time. So... the three sonatas that ends triumphantly, fortissimo. And it's a wonderful uh, description, I think, a poetic description of this, this struggling man, really, in the end, triumphing over, over death and over the illness. He had been very near to death here when the Klag and the Gesang came back the second time. I think it's as close as you can come to death. <laughs> 